Church, we want to recognize today that we are nothing without Him. We can do nothing without His blessing and everything that we have is because of Him. And can I declare this morning that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of this church, that He is the cornerstone of Frontline Church. Amen. And as we continue to build on this unshakable foundation, there is nothing that will stand in the way of us becoming exactly what our vision says and how the Lord will impact cities and nations as we submit to His perfect will. So all glory to God in this place as we celebrate what He's doing in our midst. Amen. So church, today we're going to wrap up on our series, Releasing the Grip of Anxiety. Today is our fourth installment in the series, and it's really been encouraging to see how many of you have been ministered to in this time and how the God has spoken very directly to what so many of us are facing in our lives right now. The series is based on the scripture that we've been repeating right throughout from the book of Philippians chapter 4, from verses 4 to 9. And if it's okay with you this morning, I'd like for us to do something different. Can we all stand and can we read this passage of scripture together this morning? Can we read it out loud? I want this to be personal for you this morning, church. And when you're repeating this, I want you to believe that it's for you. Not just for the collective, but that it's for you personally. Can you put that scripture up? And really, when we say it this morning, let's say it with, with meaning. Let's say it with purpose, okay? Are you ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. That was awesome. Give yourselves a round of applause. You may be seated. Church, as we've been navigating our way through this, this powerful passage of Scripture, one of the things that we identified is when it says, do not be anxious about anything, it doesn't mean that you should never be anxious. Because when you study this particular verse in Greek, what you find is that, is that it is in the present active tense. And what Paul is saying is not don't ever be anxious. He's saying whatever you do, don't find yourself in a present active constant state of anxiety. Right? And God is giving us these antidotes in Philippians 4 to help us nullify this poison of anxiety. And I really hope that you've started applying these antidotes to your life. Because church, I want to encourage you today, once this series is, is done, let's not just forget about it. Let's just not put it in the back of our mind somewhere. Let's apply it. Let's do it, right? Remember, church, we, we need to remember these antidotes that we spoke about. And instead of it just being head knowledge, let's be people that do it. Look, we're not saved by what we do. We are saved by grace alone, right? But you're never going to experience the benefits of being a Christian unless you apply the Word of God. So I'm not talking to you about your salvation. I'm talking to you about doing it. And when we get to a text like the one that we've just read together, 
we need to remember what James chapter 1 verse 22 says. It says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We might get it up there somewhere. <laughs> Church, let us not be deceived that only head knowledge will set us free. Let us be doers of the word, working out our salvation, working out our freedom, right, moment by moment. And let's apply these antidotes. Do you remember our acronym of REST? Do you remember the REST? Remember what the R stands for? Rejoice, right? In week one, we spoke about rejoicing in the Lord. Not re rejoicing in what we're going through, but rejoicing in the Lord. And if we rejoice in certain theological truths about the Lord, we will have a supernatural peace as we firmly root ourselves and plant ourselves between the fact that God is good and the fact that He is in control. Amen? In week two, if you remember, we spoke about praying differently. And we focused specifically on the words prayer, petition, and requests. And we learned why it is important to pray more specifically, not just generally, because we want to be effective in our communication with the Lord. We want to be specific, so that's where you get the words inquire specifically. We're going to inquire specifically in our prayer time of the Lord, our quiet time of the Lord, so that we can get to the root cause of what's going on in our lives. And then last week we focused on the powerful word of thanksgiving. And it's something that really ministered to me. And we learned that thanksgiving comes from a place of knowing and believing from the depths of your heart that the truth of God's word is secured in the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. Thanksgiving confirms our faith in the cross. So church, we really had the opportunity over the past couple of weeks to identify some powerful antidotes to help us to release the grip of anxiety on our lives. And I'm trusting that it ministered to you just as much as it ministered to me. It really has changed my life. And as we conclude today, church, I want to speak to you about something that may sound a little bit strange to you, but I want to speak to you about your mind. I want to speak to you about your brain. Paul wraps up his teaching on anxiety with reminding us about, about the power of the brain. You know, church, you don't control every thought that pops into your mind, but you do control what lands there and stays there, right? Take control of your mind is what Paul is instructing us to do here, where he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about or if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And if you take your notes this morning, those two words, think about, come from the Greek word logizomai. And logizomai means logic or logical, very basic. And what Paul is saying to us, church, is that you have to use logic and reason as part of your defense against anxiety. And if you'll allow me to get a little technical this morning, Neurologists, those who study the brain, tell us that there is a section of our mind that is driven by emotion, and then there's another separate part of the brain that is driven by logic. The main part of our brain that controls emotion is called the amygdala, and it sits in the center part of your brain, and the amygdala controls emotion. The prefrontal cortex is in the center of your brain and handles your logic or your region, your reason. And the emotional part of your brain releases all sorts of signals and, and chemicals that puts us into a fight or flight mode. I'm sure you've heard of that before. 
The problem is that the amygdala is objective. Its main goal is to protect. So what happens is the prefrontal cortex kicks in from a logical point of view and it helps us deal with dangerous and scary situations. And the way that God has designed the brain is for the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala to actually work together. They need one another. And so the logical part of our brain regulates the emotional part of the brain and they are designed by God to do that. Let me try to give you a practical example of how this works in our lives. If you're at the zoo and you see a snake, right, or a puff adder behind the glass, the logical part of your brain immediately kicks in and lets you know that, you know, you're okay, you're safe. The glass is there, the cover's on, you're okay. If you're in your garden or you're somewhere in nature, somewhere in holiday, and you see a puff adder, puff adder on the grass, what do you do? You run as fast as you can and get out of there, right? And if you're anything like me, if it's in your garden, you go straight to your gun case and you send that snake to, to snake heaven, right? <laughs> There's no time to call a snake hand, let's be honest here. You know, it's like when you're younger and you walk past these gates where they have these, these massive rottweilers. And because they're behind the gate, you think you can be brave and tease them, right? Perhaps even throw a few stones at them. And you can stand there and act brave until those gates open or they jump over the fence, right? And you're running like Usain Bolt out of there screaming for your mommy, you know? <laughs> Which of us men did that when we were younger? <laughs> and what happens, church, in your brain is the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala are working together to keep you safe. The difference, however, with anxiety is that it imagines a threat and it can't move on from it. You get in this prison of anxiety and your thoughts can't escape. And if we allow thoughts to linger, they can put us in a constant state of this fight or flight mode. And that church is when severe anxiety kicks in. And that's no joke. Neuroscientist Dr. Caroline Leaf says what happens over time is that the emotional side of the brain begins creating these neurological pathways in your brain. They're like these grooves that form and make it harder for the logical part of the brain to kick in and work together with the emotional part of the brain. And if you live like this too long, church, and you don't learn to apply what Paul is teaching us in Philippians 4, anxiety will become hardwired into your brain. Anxiety will cause these grooves into your brain and you'll have a very hard time doing away with it. And you see, church, that's why it's so important for us to apply what the Word of God is teaching us, right? That we're not just hearers of the Word, that we are doers of the Word. You know, it's the same with our bodies. If we don't work out, if we don't train our bodies, do a bit of gym or a uh, bit of exercise, how are we? Right? Our muscles start to atrophy. They will start to deteriorate. In the same way, if you don't train your brain, it will atrophy. Your mind will deteriorate. And you get these neurological pathways in your brain where you can't think straight, and that's when anxiety wins. And so you have to retrain yourself. You have to pay close attention to what gets your attention. You have to think about what you think about. And Paul tells us that there are actually things worthy to think on. It's good stuff. It's holy stuff. It's, it's wholesome stuff. It's stuff that builds up and edifies other people. And Paul gives us this list of these things, and then at the end of the list, he says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The New King James Version says, 
if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, right? Meditate on good things. Now, this concept of, of meditation is a bit sketchy for us, isn't it? We're a little bit skeptical on this thing. Because when I say the word meditate, you immediately think of this, right? Mm. Am I right? <laughs> you see, we have this negative connotation to meditation. And the reason we have this negative connotation is because most time in our minds, we have this image of Eastern meditation. And church, Eastern meditation is not Christian meditation. Eastern meditation is this concept of emptying your mind, right? And let's just get real here for a moment. Do you really think it's possible to empty your mind? Is it really possible for a woman to empty her mind? I don't think so. <laughs> Careful, careful now. <laughs> Dangerous ground, yeah. <laughs> and some of the women are thinking, well, my, mind, my husband's mind's there all the time. His mind's always empty. He's, that nothing boxes, there's nothing inside there, right? Come on, ladies, give us a break here. You, you might just not understand what's going on inside of you because it's so deep. You might not even understand. And the women are thinking it's so deep you can't even find anything in there, right? <laughs> The truth is, you really can't empty your mind. And if some people who practice Eastern meditation can, it's not Christianity. It's not what the Bible tells us to do. In every verse of Scripture that is related to meditation, it tells us not to empty our minds, but to fill our minds with something. So we're clear on that, right? And to battle anxiety, you don't empty your mind, you fill it with what is good. You fill it with the right stuff. I want to give you an illustration this morning. I have these jars up here this morning, and one of them is about the size of your brain, right? And the other two are filled with a, a dark gray sand and a, and a white sand. And church, what happens if you start allowing all the negative thoughts, all the negative things that we see and encounter on a daily basis, on the news, on our phones with negative friends or colleagues or financial pressures, right? If we just fill our minds with negative after negative after negative, right? No matter what you do, church, there is no room for positive thoughts. It can't find its way in. See what happens here. There's no space for anything praiseworthy. It's a principle. We don't practice emptying our minds. We practice filling our minds with the right stuff, right? But the only problem is a lot of us fill our minds with negative stuff, evil stuff, dark stuff, and then we would try to fill it with some of the good stuff. There's just no space for it. There's no space for anything praiseworthy, right? Let me put this back in here. It's okay if we make a bit of a mess this morning, right? But the Bible says, Philippians 4 says, if you fill your minds with good stuff, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if you have anything excellent or praiseworthy, you fill it with that stuff, church. And that's when anxiety goes down and the peace that surpasses all understanding goes up. 
And yes, you're living in an anxious world. You live in a negative world, right? But when something comes along and tries to fill your mind with negative stuff and dark stuff, see what happens? There's no space for it. Okay, this is a bit bigger than I hoped, but there's no space for it. You can see, right? And you see, church, it's a principle. Whereby you meditate on the things of God. You meditate on that which is good. And church, that's why it's so important for us to give thanks in, in every situation. Right? We said last week, thanksgiving and anxiety cannot coexist. Thanksgiving crowds out anxiety. It's the same principle. And you may be sitting in your chair this morning saying, I like the illustration, I like what you're telling me, Pastor, with the Word, but I just don't think I can get these negative thoughts out of my mind that I've developed over such a long period of time. I don't think I'm capable of, of changing these thought patterns. You know what, maybe it's just hereditary. My grand was anxious, my mother's anxious, and I'm anxious. This is just my lot in life. Okay, first off, what you're thinking, do you think that's a noble thought? Do you think that's a right thought? Do you think that is a true thought? Well, no, it's not. But what's happened is that you've slipped into a, a groove, an anxiety groove, and your mind has started to believing all the negative stuff, all the things that are wrong. You're stuck in this neurological pathway. You're in such a bad groove of thinking. What I'm happy to report to you this morning and to share with you is that from a scientific perspective, our minds are pliable. We have this elasticity to it. It's like our minds are like chappies. We can retrain our brains, right? And research shows us that we can fix and correct these neurological pathways. So there's hope for us. There's hope for you and me. If someone says you're a lost cause, you know what, you've lost your mind, you say, no, 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 my mind is like chappies. I can stretch it. I can make it pliable. I can retrain my brain. Come on. You see, you don't have to accept being in this state of anxiety constantly. What you have to do, though, is make it a habit of meditating on the right stuff. Psalm 119 from verses 15 to 16 says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Awesome passage that. Another great verse to hold on to is from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, where it says, We demolish and arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Awesome, right? I love the way the message translation puts it. Have a look at this. It says, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. And you see, church, we have the power to reshape our, our lives and our minds according to the structure of Christ. And we have, with the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have the power to take captive every thought. You have the power to take captive every thought and make it submit and be obedient to Christ. And what's so powerful about this word right here, the word captive, literally means to take something or someone prisoner by means of a spear or a sword. So you're taking it captive by force. And church, why that is so powerful? Because if you're wondering what weapons we have to take our thoughts captive, 
and come against the enemy, we need to look no further than Ephesians 6. Because Ephesians 6 says, this is your weapon. Ephesians 6 is about spiritual warfare, and it says, this is the sword of the Spirit. So you heal, and you wield this thing, and you put it out there, and you learn this book. You take captive the negative, evil, dark thoughts that Satan wants to put in your mind, and you learn to heal and wield this book. You study it, you, you be, let it become an intimate part of your life, and you meditate on that which is good. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, this is the standard that we raise against him, right? And this is the sword that will pierce through every dark force that, that tries to come against you. Someone say amen. Just, just for the sake of time, I'm going to start to wrap up this morning. And as I do that, we just need to ask ourselves a question this morning. What, is, what are those thoughts that keep on plaguing our minds? What false thoughts keep coming back that we need to take captive? You know, thoughts like, what if my baby is not healthy? What if I never have enough money? What if my business goes under and, and I have to file for, for bankruptcy? What if I lose my job? What if nobody ever loves me? What if God doesn't love me? You know? Church, what is your what if? We all have them. You have yours and, and I have mine, and mine may be different to yours, but we all have them lingering in here somewhere, right? What we fill our minds with, church, is so important. What we meditate on will make all the difference. You know, switch off the stuff that is filling your mind with darkness. You know, if it's the negative news, switch it off. If it's your social media that's, that's filling your mind with darkness and making your anxiety levels rise, switch it off. If it's negative friends, switch them off. You know, it's like Pastor and I spoke about the, the coronavirus this morning. We've got this, this fear that's rising all the time, right? We need to switch off this negative news. Bring, okay, bring it into perspective. Let's be real about it. Let's take the necessary precautions. But remember, this has to come under the submission of Christ. Everything has to come under the submission. And church, when a what-if thought comes your way, instead of it taking root in our lives, why don't we just replace it with something more reliable, something more secure? I went on to Google and I searched for what is the opposite of what-if. And this is what it gave me inevitability, foregone conclusion, fate to complete and dead certainty. Now church, who is the only one that can give us a life with a foregone conclusion with Him? Who is the only one that can say with dead certainty that we have our future secured in His promises? Who's the only one that's paid that price? Jesus, right? And when we start to apply these antidotes and take our minds off the traps of this world and put it on Him, we will be able to create a mind that is at peace, a mind that is at rest, full of His truths, and we will be able to find our way out of every dark well that the enemy tries to keep us imprisoned in. And I want to end this series today, church, with, with all of us proclaiming and decreeing the truth of our Savior over our lives. So as you get ready to, to come into praise and worship this morning, would you please stand with me? And I just want to give you a few moments just to think about your what-ifs. You know what it is. You know what is, is plaguing your mind. You know what is bringing you into this place of fear and anxiety. 
And when you've got that thought in your mind, I want you to take that thought captive. I want you to take it captive by force this morning, and we are going to bring it under the submission of Christ. We are going to declare God's truth over your life this morning, church. And as I read these declarations, I want you to start believing that it is for your life, you personally. And let your faith arise in this place. Let your voice arise in this place. I want to encourage you there this morning when I read these declarations, don't be quiet. Take this personally. You know? Give a shout of praise to the Lord. Shout amen, whatever it is, but just don't be silent there this morning. Because what I'm saying this morning is true, not just for the collective body, but for you too. Amen? Are you ready to declare God's truth over your life this morning? Here we go. My God is my refuge and His everlasting arms are underneath me. He's driving out my enemies before me saying, destroy them. The weapons I fight with are not weapons of the world. My weapons are in Christ Jesus and have divine power to demolish strongholds. In Jesus' name, I demolish arguments. I demolish every barrier erected against the truth of God. I take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. My weapon is the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit God gave me does not make me fearful. The Holy Spirit gives me power, love, and self-discipline. He gives me a sound mind. God's perfect love is driving out all fear. Fear must go now in Jesus' name. My God is rescuing me from my enemy. What is too strong for me is not too strong for my God. My God is greater. The Lord is my support. He is bringing me out into a spacious place. He rescues me because He delights in me. I am submitting to God and the enemy must flee. The enemy has come at me in one direction, but because of Jesus, he is fleeing in seven directions. Demonic forces are leaving. They are weakened and divided in Jesus' name. I am pursuing my enemy of anxiety, and it is on the run. I will not turn back until the enemy is destroyed in Jesus' name. I, must, I see my enemy crushed. It cannot rise. It is under my feet. Jesus has given me authority in His name to overcome all the power of the enemy. It cannot harm me. Nothing shall overcome me when I am covered by the blood. In all these things, no matter what is going on, I am more than a conqueror through Him who loves me. I am convinced and I declare today that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, not even the coronavirus, can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. Say it with me. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. Let's give the Lord a great shout of praise in this place.